Today we're going to talk about a very fundamental doctrine in the church that I've never taught on publicly on a Sunday morning. This is a, a not only a biblical doctrine, but it's a cultural doctrine to Rock City Church. It's something we do a lot here that I want to help you to understand. And the topic is why you need someone to lay hands on you properly. We're going to talk about the doctrine of laying on of hands, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2 makes it very clear that there is a doctrine of the laying on of hands. There's a doctrine. This is what we believe biblically to be true. This is what we teach from the Bible. There's an entire doctrine. Not only is there an entire doctrine of the, of the laying on of hands, but it's a fundamental elementary principle doctrine. This is like the basics. In fact, if you read the verse before, it's like, Let's, let's continue to build upon the foundation, not le- in a sense leave behind and forget about it, but you got to move forward from the elementary fundamental principles, which one of them that most of us here may not fully understand that I'm going to teach you today is the laying on of hands. Because I'm going to suggest if you're not laying hands on somebody for the right reasons with the right hands, you're laying hands on somebody for all the wrong reasons and intentions. Most people don't understand, nor have they been accurately taught the importance of laying on of hands. So we already see it's a doctrine. It makes it very clear. This is a cultural foundation to Rock City Church. And since Rock City often has altar calls and ministry times where we lay hands on people, it's important for both those receiving and giving prayer through these type of ministries to understand it. Both the receiver and the giver needs to understand what's happening when you touch somebody. Like baptism, the practice of laying on of hands has its historical roots in the Old Testament. In ancient times, this practice, often accompanied with anointing oil, was used to set men apart to serve God in the offices of king or priest. It was also sometimes invoked in setting apart sacrifices or other things for a holy use or a holy purpose. Similarly, laying on of hands after baptism signifies that the new baptized person has now been set apart by God. Since the days of the apostles, the laying on of hands after baptism, water baptism, has often, not always, I want to make that clear, not always, but often, signified the actual moment of the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the setting apart of a convert as a child of God for the purposes of the work of the ministry. A few weeks ago, I called it the next step. We all have to take the next step. We are not going to be an impotent church. You will be stunned in your growth if you don't believe there's more and go after it. I don't have any desire to raise up nice Christians. This is not a nice Christian church. This is an aggressive Christian church. Marriages are combusting. People are spinning out. There is a war for our children. There is a war for your soul. This is an aggressive, militant church. You need to understand that. Not everybody wants that. I'm okay with that. But I'm never going to let you stay the same. You got to stop staying the same. Now, it's not the only purpose of setting somebody apart or promotion, but I'm going to give you four reasons of, and needs 
for the laying on of hands. Number one, it's a commissioning, positioning, appointment, anointing, promotion, and ordination. All those words are synonymous. In the Bible, when there was the laying on of hands, you were being commissioned or you were being set into position, a leadership position of a deacon, a bishop, an elder, an apostle. It's an appointment. It's an anointing. You're being promoted and you're being ordained. It's also a reordination or a reinstatement of somebody that has fallen from a position of leadership who had committed sin. Could also be someone who has been removed from the local church body due to sin and is then being welcomed back into fellowship. So if you have an elder or a leader that, that compromised, let's say it's not always has to be sexual, though that seems to be the most common one, but like affairs or whatever, infidelity, but let's say they stole from the church or took money or they did something in compromise and they were in leadership and I had to remove them. You still have to forgive them and try to reinstate them. So when you bring them back into position, you would lay hands on them. There's also times where somebody is toxic and cancerous in a church. There was a guy that I loved as a son and I still love him. Lots of compromise, slept with five or six different women in this church. Finally, after about the sixth one, we said, you are no longer allowed to fellowship in this church. However, here's your restoration plan. Go to men's meetings, get accountability. Don't hang out with any girl. Like we, we put a whole restoration plan in place that he never fulfilled. But if he ever does, and he wants to come back here, he would be reinstated properly through the laying on of hands, all right? Let me show you some scriptures for this. Acts chapter six, we're gonna fly through a bunch of scriptures today. Acts 6, 6, this is when the deacons were being put into position. They were set before the apostles and when they prayed, what did they do? Now follow the scriptures with me today. They laid hands on them. Acts chapter 13, verses one through three. Now in the church, that was at Antioch, this is New Testament, there were certain prophets. So nobody can say there aren't prophets for today. We already know that there were prophets in the New Testament church and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manson who brought up with Herod, Petrarch, and Saul. Next verse. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them, verse three. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them on their way. So they were commissioned, appointed, anointed, ordained for the work of the ministry through the laying on of hands. Does everybody see that? Okay. I also want you to know that they fasted and prayed because you don't get to just put out job descriptions to promote somebody. There are headhunter organizations that are looking for youth pastors and pastors. And You want a job in the ministry? You can go online right now and go move to the middle of nowhere and get a job at a small church that desperately needs a leader. And I'm not saying that sometimes God can't do that and that it's all wrong. But I'm gonna say in general, you're not hiring a job for a corporation. I don't fast and pray over my employees before they get hired at Coffee Waves because that is a corporation. But I will fast and pray 
And we will fast and pray before you step into leadership here. You need to be highlighted from God, which means you need to be in position. And when that time comes, one of the ways to position you is, come up here, we're gonna lay hands on you as a, as a commissioning and an ordination or a promotion. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy. So the scripture in Acts 13, this is pointing back to that. So Paul is instructing Timothy, don't neglect the gift. You've been given something, and many of us are neglecting the gift. We all have gifts inside of us that are being neglected. We're not using them. We're selfish. We're more focused on our careers, our money, our dogs, our jobs, our kids, our you got to do both. I don't get the right to say, yeah, I'm too busy for ministry while I just raise my kids and have my nice little farm and while I run businesses. You're in full-time ministry everywhere and in everything that you do. When you get out of the call and the design of God, you will lose your mind. Do not neglect the gift that's in you, but how did the, the gift get into somebody? Look at the scripture. Because some people in this sanctuary today will say, I never want somebody to touch me. One of, we have a whole family here that I love to know in as part of this church. When he first came to me years and years ago when I was at the Satellite Church, he walked in the church and he said, came up for prayer, but he said, he better not touch me. He better not touch me. And I went to lay hands on him and I felt a check in my spirit and I pulled back. Good thing, because this guy's in, he would have knocked me out. <laughs> He's my friend now. I give him big hugs now, my good friend Jason. I love him. But it came through prophecy in the laying on of hands of the eldership. So this was a positioning for promotion. The next reason why you would lay hands on somebody or have somebody lay hands on you is to bless them. Now, what does it mean to bless somebody? It means for me to speak peace, joy, strength, comfort into your life. It's like a comfort touch. But I want to bless your life. Come here. I'm gonna bless you. I just wanna pray for you. I'm not promoting you. I'm not praying for your healing. I'm not imparting something into you. You just need somebody to touch you because so many people are isolated in this world. So many people are going through this world alone. When is the last time you had somebody touch you appropriately? When's the last time you had somebody lay hands? We have altar calls here and many people don't come. Now I'm not chastising or admonishing you. I'm challenging you. I understand. Some people just like, man, I don't want anybody to get close like that. But that's not in God's design. God's a space invader and he makes us invade spaces. Matthew 19, 13 through 15. Then the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. So parents were bringing their little ones to Jesus to put their hands on him and really actually to bless them, right? And look at verse, five, look, verse 15. It says then, he did what? Jesus laid his hands on them and then he departed from there. The next reason and the third reason of why you would want somebody to pray for you and lay hands on you or you should be doing that for others is for healing. Mark chapter six, verse two. We're gonna fly through a bunch of scriptures today. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished. Now this is Jesus in Galilee, his, where he came from. 
says, uh, where did he get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by what? His hands. Now, we're gonna take a look at verse five. Now, he couldn't do any mighty work there. Why? Apathy. Familiarity. Oh, you're just Jeff. I know you. You, you got nothing special about you. You're not getting third heaven visions and you're just little old you with your family. You, I don't, you're not the great anointed one. They familiarized themselves so much with Jesus that they said he's merely just a man. So he couldn't do any mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people. Oh, just a few sick people. There. No big deal. Just a few sick people. And they were healed. Mark 7, 32. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to do what? Put his hands on him. Mark 16, 18. One of my favorite verses on the laying on of hands. This is supernormal natural. This is supernatural power of God. It is a promise to everyone who here, who's here that is a disciple of Jesus. You'd cast out demons, pray in tongues. You do all kinds of supernatural activity, way greater than anything you see on the big screen from Hollywood. This is real. That's demonic. This is the real thing. This is a promise for every single one of us in this room. This is for every disciple, not the special anointed mighty man of God, chief apostle David Bendett, which I'm not that. I'm making a point. I'm being sarcastic because the challenge is, is I'm, you're as big a guns as I am if Jesus is in you. And that's the, the, the fallacy of the fact that as a young new Christian, you can't do the work of the ministry. In fact, Jesus sent out 72 babes, young novices, young Christians to go cast out demons and lay hands on the sick. If he can do it, you can do it. The key is you got to have Jesus inside of you. And I want to challenge you to make sure your hearts are pure, which we're going to talk about. So notice they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Is this a promise from God? Yes, it is. Luke 4.40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus. And he did what? He laid hands on every one of them and he healed them. And then finally, James 5, 14. I really like this scripture a lot for a lot of reasons. That This is a rhetorical question. Is anybody here sick? Is there anybody here today that has diabetes, Crohn's disease, asthma, migraines, foot pain, gout? I, I mean, I'd probably go down the list and find a lot of people in this sanctuary today that are sick. So the answer is yes. So we call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Now you need to understand something about elders. Elders are not necessarily just the people that I appointed into the position of an elder. An elder is a nature. There are a lot of you in this sanctuary that are elders now. If I promoted every elder that was in this sanctuary, in this church, I'd have 100 elders. An elder is defined as a spiritual senator, an older wise one with experience and understanding that lacks Doubt, because you've been there. Kathy's one of those. 
been, been here. She's new to Rock City in this last season, but has massive amounts of history and legacy and is an elder. She, Marlene may not be in the titled position of an elder here, but she's still an elder. Don't you ever forget it. You better still lean on her. There's a lot of you in this sanctuary that are elders. Our prayer partners in many ways, though they may not all be elders, function in that dynamic of praying for the sick. All right? So, I also want to point out here, if you're isolated and you're anti-church, if you're listening to me on the, on the live stream, this is one of the main reasons why you need a church body. You cannot go through life alone. You don't get this outside of governmental structure in a healthy church. How, who's going to lay hands on you? Say, well, I am the church. I don't need a church body. Okay, we'll just cut this scripture out. Isn't that funny how we like to rip out and pick and choose the Bible? I like this. I don't like that. The next reason is an impartation. Everybody say an impartation. All right, now this is not a transference of my anointing to you. Let's just clear that up. You don't get my anointing. I paid a price for it through abiding and the gift of God that God gave me when I was born, he put gifts in me. And when I got born again, he put gifts in me and activated those. And I pay the price through study, through diligence, abiding. I can't pay that price for you. You have to pay that price. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to transfer my spirit to you. Come here. And you know what? Get me a basket. Bring your check when you come to. People do that. They do that. 500 bucks. You can have my anointing. It's completely idiotic. You don't get, everybody wants to benefit, but nobody wants to pay the price of the policy. Right? We all have to pay the price of the policy. So an impartation, Romans 1.11 I quote this, man, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I quote it all the time. Paul's, I want to come see you so that I could impart to you a spiritual gift. Now, it doesn't specifically say through the laying on of hands. However, I would suggest this is one of the ways an impartation would happen with Paul to the Roman church. It could happen through teaching. It can happen through the atmosphere. It can happen through worship. It can happen through monologues and dialogues. But I would suggest one of the ways was through the laying on of hands, Acts 8, 17, and 18. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Who? The, Samar the Samaritans. I've quoted this scripture many times. This is when Peter and John came from Jerusalem to Samaria. The, Philip was turning the city upside down. Simon the sorcerer got baptized. All Samaria got baptized in water. We talked about this last week, two baptisms. Here comes the leaders of the church to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Look at the next verse. When Simon, the sorcerer, who had just gotten born again and baptized in water, saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles, laying on the hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Why? I'll tell you why. Because he lost his vocation. He was a fortune teller. True prophets are for 
tellers, not for money. But now he's lost his livelihood. So Simon the sorcerer, who was deemed the power, the dunamis power of God in the whole city, who was a deceptive liar, gets born again and baptized. And now he's like, wait a minute. When you touch that person, something changed. So you've got to see. The Holy Spirit was given how? Through the laying on of hands. He offered them money. Bad idea, by the way. You can't buy this. You can't buy it. And then, of course, 19.6, Acts 19.6, quoted this to you as well recently. This is when Paul goes to Ephesus. He's like, did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? We haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. And they were baptized in, in water from John, and then they were baptized in Jesus' baptism. And it says, and then when Paul did what? He laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what happened when that happened? So I said last week, there's something you see in here. Now, you may not get your prayer language in a minute, in that minute that you're laid hands on, but it does happen, and it does say in the Bible it happens, but there's some people based on their personality, based on their temperaments, based on inhibition, right, that in that moment you're like, your head is getting in the way of you praying in tongues because praying in tongues is a direct assault against your mind. It, of all the gifts, there's no greater divisive gift in the church today than praying in tongues. Would you all agree? It's like, oh, healing? Yeah, we believe in that. Prophecy? Okay, as long as it's just a nice word of encouragement. Oh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, that just kind of means encouragement. But tongues, that's not for today. That's only for some. And anybody that tells me I don't have that gift is because they believe it's only for someone else and not for them. And I'm going to challenge you guys. Don't believe it's just a gift for some. Paul said, I wish all y'all, because he was a Texan, <laughs> I wish all y'all prayed in tongues. All right? Now, I'm not doing a teaching on tongues. I'm just telling you. It happens. What we're not going to do is force you to pray in tongues. We're not going to sit here and wait for 45 minutes for you to get that one Shabbat out. There are people that get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and for whatever reason, they don't start praying in tongues until they're alone. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's worry, maybe it's doubt. What I don't want you to do is be peer pressured. Wow, spiritual peer pressure. And he made it, and then the devil's a master liar. Well, you made that up. And then we say, it's gotta be God, it's gotta be God. Okay, so God's gonna come grab your chin and flop your lip, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't work like that. It's mechanical. You hear it, you speak it, and you become like a child. Now, there's a whole teaching on that for another day. When we pray on Wednesday night, this isn't, it's, we're going to saturate you in prayer. We're going to take our time. We're going to all pray together. And you're going to trust God, and you're going to be like a child. If I, if I go to my little five-year-old right now, and I go, they're going to go, she got up my cut because kids love playing that game. But no, not us stiff, mature adults now. You, I'm 52. No way am I going to be like a child. Except the doctrine, scripturally, Jesus said, unless you become like a child. You got to get out of your head. <clears throat> and some people won't like that. Some people don't like that teaching. Oh, got to get out of my head. Your intellect is also a direct assault to the spirit. And if it's not renewed by the Spirit, and that's the one thing about tongues. Tongues is this fascinating thing. 
of crucifying the intellect. Because some of y'all are such sophisticated Christians. You are so sophisticated. You, man, you are the most put together Christian I've ever seen. No way am I going to get messy, mess my hair up, and lift my hands and pray in tongues. All right, I love you. It's okay. I, I do love every one of you. I really do love y'all. I know some of y'all. But look, it, this is what this church needs. 2 Timothy 1.6. We're talking about impartation. Therefore, I remind you, stir up. Everybody say, stir it up. No, no, no. That's Bob Marley. <laughs> stir up. <laughs> we're not, sorry, guys. We're not going to go Bob Marley songs. Sorry, Troy. Fan in the, another version says fan into flame. You got a fan into flame. Stir up something that's been given to you. Some of us have nothing given to us. Or it was given to us years ago or last year or two years ago at an activate conference through the prophet or maybe on a supernormal natural night when I prophesied to you or laid hands on you or maybe it was early in the morning on your back deck by the water at 5 a.m. you had an encounter with God. But see, if you don't keep it hot, Revelation 3.16, Jesus says, because you're neither hot or cold, I'm gonna spew you out of my mouth. Listen, it's hot or not. It's hot or hot. God wants you hot. It's fan into flame. If you actually research this, it means to be zealous, stir up through zeal, fan into flame, re-enkindle, burn your mind. Because my flesh says it doesn't take all that. My flesh is prone to just wanting to sit down and not be extravagant, never shout and never go up for altar calls. And I don't need all that. I'm good. I'm good. You're never good. We all need to stir up the gift fan into flame, right? Now, God's put gifts inside of you, but some gifts come. We know how. It's right here in black and white imprint. Let me tell you something about your fingers. Everybody look at your hand. Now, don't focus on the calluses or the blood spot on your fingernail from getting stuck in the door or how pretty your nails are or your diamond ring. I, I get all that. I just want you to look at your hands for a minute. Focus on your hands for just a second. I'm going to tell you something about, some things about your hands. Your fingers, so there's three main nerves in your hand, but in your fingers, it's densely packed with thousands of nerve endings, thousands of nerve endings, also known as sensory neurons that produce a complex pattern of nervous impulses that relay a continuous influx of information, not just to your brain, but also to your body. So in your fingers, the thousands of neurons in your fingers can communicate to your spine and other places by what it feels, senses, and touches. Heat, cold, a lot of things. And we're just learning that your fingers, it's like your brain outsources to your fingers to gather information and to do work of the brain. We call, I call them brainy fingers. Say that, brainy fingers. You're gonna remember this. Your hand and fingers have a unique ability of gathering information and sending electrical signals and impulses through the touch pathway, not just to the brain, but in other areas, especially your spinal cord. It's as if the brain outsources not only the gathering information, but actual brain functions to your hands, and in turn, Think about this. If there's thousands of nerves in your fingers 
and the tips of your fingers, your brain requires more brain area or brain sensitivity that needs to be devoted to the signals that it's receiving. So a lot of finger activity or hand activity and a lot of brain activity go hand in hand with your brain. This can explain why your hands are so much more sensitive than other parts of your body. But also, when you're ministering to others, either during ministry time or just before, this is the sensation that happens to me a lot, my hands get hot. And I don't make this up. My hand, there are times when I, and, and I'll just be sitting and my hands will get hot and the Lord's like, I want to heal somebody and I'm gonna, I want to use you to do it. Now, why? Why would that happen? Well, it's like holding hands with someone. I had to instruct someone recently, don't even hold hands with her. I'm going to be challenging my daughter to not even hold hands because there's something about holding hands that's so intimate. There's, it can maybe even be more intimate than a kiss because of what's going on in your hands and what you feel when you grab onto somebody. But it's like holding hands in prayer, both in the natural and the spirit when you're laying hands on someone. It's as if the Holy Spirit's moving through your mind to get your hands, to use your hands as a signal for healing. So if, my, if I have the mind of Christ, follow me. If you have the mind of Christ and you're born again, which you, you have the mind of Christ, you just have to learn what that means but you have it. Now the Lord is through my mind pulsating to my hands because my body is the temple. Are you guys following me? Your body's a temple. You have the mind of Christ. Now through, your, through the Holy Spirit in you and through your mind, he's conveying information and power through those thousands and thousands of ner sensory nerves inside your fingers. So when I lay hands on somebody, it's the same mindset of when I'm holding their hand in intimacy or in prayer. Everybody say two-way communication. Now listen, my degree from Oral Roberts University actually is in interpersonal communication or organizational relations, but it was all designed for how to communicate properly. Interpersonal communication is two-way communication and it takes place when you lay hands on somebody. So you both give and gather information. You give and gather information. Revelation 22, I don't have, I'm gonna fly through these scriptures. Verse one says, he showed this is John getting a revelation in heaven about the river of life and the tree of life. He showed me a pure uh, river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the lamb. Look at verse two. In the middle of his street on either side of the river was a tree of life, 12 fruits, fruit every month, and the leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, let me make a connection for you. You can go study this out and make it your own. This is what I think. The Bible likens men unto trees planted by the rivers of living water, Revelation 17 and Psalm 1. Jesus says, I'm the branches. I'm the vine. You're the branches. I believe Jesus is the tree of life. I believe in Jesus' hands were the leaves for healing of the nations, and they're still there now. But I'm going to take what's in heaven your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and I'm gonna make a connection for you. What if I was a tree? 
What if you were a tree and your hands were leaves with healing for the name? Oof, man, I feel the Lord on that. Wow, that's powerful. Now, with that mindset, it's important to note in this giving and gathering of information through the laying on of hands that the Holy Spirit must be in the lead. Our minds must be renewed by the word of God and our hearts should be pure. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty one. the Lord record, rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. Job seventeen nine. the righteous will hold to his way and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. Psalm 24, three and four, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who has clean hands? Now I want you to notice the connection of clean hands and a pure heart because you can wash your hands all day long in the best soap and it ain't gonna make your hands clean. This is not pertaining to so clean, germ-free hands. Clean hands come from a clean heart. Does everybody see the connection? Okay, all right. It goes on to say, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Now, I have a lot to say about idolatry today. I'm gonna say our TVs are idolatry. What we watch, what we consume in social media is idolatry. Pornography is idolatry. Anything I'm giving myself to entertainment is idolatry. Your career can be idolatry. It doesn't have to be little Buddhist statues. Your family can be idolatry. Now, there's a unique phenomenon that happens when two people get closer, touch each other. And this is a unique phenomenon here at Rock City Church, especially in Redeemed. You got a bunch of former addicts or addicts in recovery, sex trafficked, hooked on drugs, messed up, possessed, the whole nine yards. Now you put those two people together. Like-minded spirits attract or attach to one another. Oh, don't think I'm not kidding. That's the problem with a lot of AA, NA, and even redeemed. It's a hookup culture because it's the same spirit. Let me tell you something. You could be sitting in this side of the sanctuary and be so completely jacked up and somebody can be sitting on that side of the sanctuary and have the same issues you do. And I'm telling you, I have somehow noticed over time those two people wind up sitting next to each other and then they become friends. And then it's a toxic, bad situation, right? Both people can be adversely affected without pure motives and intentions inside of us. That's why the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.22, it's not the full reason, but it's, I'm gonna connect it. Lay hands on no man suddenly, right? Keep yourselves pure and don't share in their sin. Now, this context of the scripture is in promoting somebody or reinstating somebody that had fallen away. So if I promote you back and you're still living in sin, I just shared in it and I actually defiled myself. But it also does mean, don't be hasty. Remember my friend Jason? He would have punched me out had the Holy Spirit not restrained me. So I don't just go around touching everybody. But there's also this dynamic that let's say hypothetically that I was cheating on my wife and hooked on pornography. Because when here's the thing about pornography is it makes every woman an object of your lust. It is so defiling. You've got to kill it, brothers and sisters. You've got to kill it. Now, let's say a, a super attractive hot stripper girl comes in here. Y'all know where I'm going with this. Which they do, by the way. We have an anointing for stripper girls in this church. Seriously. And you got porn issues. You got affair issues. 
or let's say I did, we'll just say I did. And this girl is like, whoo, mini skirt, Bathsheba's hanging out, belly button breaker right there. I'm like, so the whole time I'm praying for her, I'm, I'm praying, please God, please God, don't let me lust after her, don't let me, because if lust is in your heart, it's a heart issue. You got to deal with the heart. Now, it's imperative that you understand you're the righteousness of God in Christ so that you don't fall into a workspace mentality. You're hidden in Christ. It's not you that does it. It's the sin that does it in you. I've taught you this. But if you don't get your hearts healthy and you're going around laying hands on people, where were my hands last night? Wouldn't you like inquiring minds want to know? That's why Dawn is over the prayer partner team because she's discerning, she's a mama, and she's like, she vets them out because we don't want somebody up here laying hands on you. It's like, I'm coming up for prayer. I need healing, I need salvation. And here comes the spiritual predator. That was the Nicolaitans, by the way, but I don't have time for that. The con, so we should never be hasty to touch someone physically through spiritual means of laying on of hands but we should be mindful of the Holy Spirit's leading and timing. So why is this message relevant to you? We all need each other. Let's say that. We all need each other. We're the body of Christ. We all have a part to play and a share to give with the ultimate purpose to build each other up in love and cause us all to grow together in a healthy manner, Ephesians 4, 16. It's talking about Jesus, the head from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I'm not talking about a supplier of joints like pot. I'm talking about a supply in your body that you're, I used to be a supplier of joints. I'm not anymore. Now I have new joints to supply, a new joint giving you new supply. There we go. Everybody say, I have a supply. I have a share. Own that. You all have something to give. You all have something to impart. Why? For the growth of the body to edify itself in love. That's why it's perfect love. There's no selfish ambition, and there shouldn't be in your heart. So you need someone to invade your space and vice versa. You need, you need to be blessed by others' gifts, and you need to bless others with your gifts. You need healing, and you need to give healing. You have something to impart to others, and they have something to impart to you. And from a governmental standpoint, all of us need to be commissioned by God through others for the work of the ministry. So in conclusion, your hands need to be clean. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Simple enough. If I come close to God, he'll come close to me. But notice the second part of the same verse. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. That's how I think he wrote that. You sinners. That's me too. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What does it mean? How do you clean your hands? Get out the double-mindedness. Stop living for the world. Unhook from entertainment. Cut back to TV. Cut back to social media. Be a remnant man. Be a remnant woman. How do you get a clean heart that leads to clean hands? Be born again. Nobody here should take a chance on not being born again. If you're not sure, 
confess the Lord is your savior and repent of your sin. None of it starts if you're not born. If you are not born again, I'm telling you, you have corrupt hands. Next, get baptized in both water and the Holy Spirit. We do both here. Then abide, 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 abide. Everybody just say it together with me. Abide, 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 abide. Just say it repeatedly. Abide, 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 abide. Abide, 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 abide. Psalm 119.11, hide, hide, hide. Now everybody say, hide, hide, hide. Hide God's word in your heart because God's word prevents the sin from taking root in your heart because sin starts in your heart. Be with like-minded believers who love you, measure you, and counsel you properly. Let others who are pure and strong pray for you through the laying on of hands. And who knows, you may get healed. You may get an impartation. You may get blessed or you may even get positioned for promotion. I'm gonna give you one last scripture and then we're gonna close. This is 1 Timothy 2, 8, which I did not give you, but I'm gonna read it to you. 1 Timothy 2, 8. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. Lifting up what kind of hands? What makes holy hands, the last part of this verse makes the holy hands, without wrath and doubting. The blood of Jesus makes you holy, but holy position requires holy living. Stop sleeping around. Stop living with somebody outside of marriage. Get married. Seriously, whatever it takes. You are doing yourself an injustice and robbing yourself of the life of Christ. Get free of the porn. And if you can't get free of it from your smartphone, get a dumb phone. Seriously. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off your eye, pluck it out. This is the thing you gotta get aggressive and you gotta get accountability. Get people, come to the men's meeting. Men, be here Saturday morning. I promise you, you're gonna, you're gonna get rocked. Otto Kelly is a mighty man of God that's gonna bring the fire and is gonna bring power to all of us. So this Saturday morning, men, be here, nine, nine o'clock. Breakfast, tacos, coffee, and a great service. But what I'd suggest to you is every time I have an altar call, come up and let somebody pray for you. Get on the prayer partner team. If you're in a great place and you're a part of this church and a member of this church, get with Dawn and get on the prayer partner team. This service is hard because I run out of time, but next service we lay hands on people. This Wednesday night, we're gonna lay hands on people. And if three, 400 people show up and everybody wants to be prayed for, I'm not gonna have enough prayer partners. Surrender your life. If something's really nice, you know, I'll tell you, you feel a lot better about lifting up your hands when, you're no, when you know you're in holy position. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dismiss one last lie. I've seen people come in this church full of shame that I know are born again. They, they looked at porn the night before. They're in major shame from their sin and they come in to church and they're just so downcast. They're so beat down and they're so discouraged and they feel so much shame and I go over and I shake them up and I say, get your butt out of the seat and lift up your hands. Remember the sinner and the tax collector in the temple? This is also a sign of surrender. It's not just, oh man, I'm holy. This is, I'm desperate. In fact, I will say to you, I lift up my hands more out of desperation 
They're holy because of the blood. Do you understand that? Don't fall prey to the deceptive lie because then you'll come in and you're like, I got, I got stuff in my, I can't lift up my hands. I've got a halfway. Down look, nobody's looking. Don't anybody see me? Listen, this is the hand-raising church for a reason. This isn't show. This isn't designed to be a nice circus thing. Some of you are like the flags and the music goes so long. Wait till I get a praise roller skater up on stage. Then you think it'll be crazy. Then it'll really be crazy in here. <laughs> Go to Brazil. Where's my Brazilians at? Go to Brazil and they're twirling glow sticks. I mean, it's like a Holy Ghost rave. That's my kind of country. So the ba- I want to go back real quick to the fan in the flame. You know how I fan in the flame? Sometimes I lay hands on myself. Have you all ever practiced laying hands on yourself? Do it. Go get in front of the mirror and prophesy over yourself. Speak the word of God over you and lay hands on yourself. Sometimes I need laying on a hands and I got nobody else around. But I got Jesus in me. Answer altar calls. And don't be isolated. And don't be hasty to lay hands on somebody. All right? All right, well, let's all stand. Why don't we do this together as an act, as a body? I don't, I don't have time to have you all come up here for us to lay hands on you. But Wednesday night will be that. And there are times that we do it in our conference, our summer conference, by the way. Uh, Prophet Kevin Leal and Pastor David Chisholm and uh, Kevin's daughter Cherish will be here. Um, is the last weekend of July. And it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. I would, mar- I would challenge you to not take your summer vacation at that time. You should be here. Here's what we're going to do. If you're not born again, I want you to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If you're not born again and you're not sure, just tell him, Lord, I give it all to you. But we're going to lift up our holy hands to the Lord. Let's all do it together as an act. Come on, you're going to get a deltoid workout right now. Let's see how long you can hold them up. Now just close your eyes for a moment. Imagine yourself sticking your fingers in a light socket. In a good way, not like you're going to die. Seriously, let's just take a moment. Remember, Jesus does what he does best. He's the baptizer. If you're watching online, just lift your hands up high to the Lord right now. Lift them up high, lifting up holy hands everywhere. Everywhere, your home, your car, well, not your car when you're driving, but (laughs) your bathroom, your workplace, come on, lift up your hands high to the Lord. Lord, we lift up holy hands to you, and I pray that you'd remove any impurities in our hearts. God, have mercy. Why don't you say, Lord, have mercy? Forgive me, God. Remove the wrath. Remove every double-minded thing in my heart. Purify me with your blood. Wash me clean with your word. 
and fill me with your spirit. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit. Baptize me again. Now, Lord, I just pray that this church would be a resilient remnant church, that we would move in the doctrine of the baptism, baptisms and of the laying on of hands. May impartations happen when we pray for one another. May impartations happen when we speak life to one another. I pray for healing as we lay hands on one another. I pray that our hearts would be pure. I pray that this church would be healthy and strong and that it wouldn't just be symbolic gestures, but life would be transferred. Yes. Transfer life. Now, by the grace of God over this house, I want you to just touch the shoulder next to you. Come on, touch the shoulder next to you. The blood's covering this house. There's not any weird thing. You're in a safe place. Now, just close your eyes for a moment. There's a unique thing that happens when everybody touches. Make sure everybody's touching somebody. Everybody's touching somebody. You are a body. You can do nothing of your own. We have need of each other. I pray a transference of life. This is a life-giving church. You are a life-giving body. Lord, heal the sick. Impart gifts. Promote the sons and daughters. Raise up a family. And may this church be resilient and strong and unified. Have mercy, Lord. Forgive us for division in our hearts and towards one another. Forgive us for bitterness and unforgiveness. If, that's, if you got any of this stuff, say it out. Just pray it to the Lord. I'm sorry, God. I've been angry. Come on, you, th this root of bitterness got to be cut. And I'm sorry for being isolated. I'm sorry for going, it al going alone. I don't want to live life alone. And Lord, I just pray healing would course through all of our hands to one another. Healing. No selfish, perverted ambition. Only healing. Let the gifts flow through this house and let healing reign at Rock City Church and in your body at large. Thank you, Jesus. And I love you, Lord. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand.